Craft Beer Radio, episode 22, December 9th, 2005. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. And Jeff, this week, or this month, is Jed, is December... And we are doing winter seasonal beer. Winter, a whole month's worth of winter seasonal stuff. Christmas beer, Hanukkah beer. Is there Hanukkah beer? Well, there is the Hebrew stuff. We're not tasting so, any, but we got the, he- the okay. Hebrew brewery. Is there Kwanzaa beer? Ramadan beer? Well, I guess no, because... No, there wouldn't be Ramadan yeah, beer. Yeah, there wouldn't be Ramadan beer, would there? No. Um, well, at any rate, a whole variety of winter beer. Seasonal stuff produced in the winter, and that's what this entire month is about. And we're going to start with business. Okay, first I want to thank a couple people who that have sent us some care packages in the mail. We had Mike from Downingtown PA. He sent us a couple bottles of some fresh hop wallop, which mm-hmm. we're going to compare with some of my old hop wallop. He also sent me a beer called Scrooge and Marley Hazelnut Christmas Ale. They're from Wisconsin. I've never heard of the brewery before, so I'm interested in trying it. Sounds good. Uh, James Spencer from Basic Brewing Radio sent us a little package of some homebrew. Thanks a lot, James. And uh, I just shipped some out back to him today. Cool. One thing I wanted to mention about Victory. You said on your case how it says a bottle-conditioned beer, but uh, in the bottle you didn't notice Uh yeast. In the ones that Mike sent me... There's yeast? No, on the bottle it says best best served by a year from now. It Uh was November of 2006. The ones I have, the old ones that were bottle-conditioned... It it said bottled on in the date it's bottled on. When Victory does their beer, beer that's meant to be cellared, they tell you the date it was bottled yeah, it on. It says on the case, this is it's a bottle conditioned beer best to be well, meant to be saved. It says that on the case. Yeah, the case wasn't re, re, redone, but so, they redid the beer this year, it looks like. Oh, okay. Because like the Victory Storm King, the old hop wallop, it would say bottled on, and it'll tell you the very date that it was bottled, so you could judge for yourself how long it's been cellaring beer like the hop devil that is supposed to be drank fresh it always says best buy or best to be served by so they changed how they did the hop wallop this year interesting so it's meant now granted because it's such a strong imperial ipa it has a shelf life of a year which is a long time right but it doesn't age because my hop wallop says to be aged for up to three years Interesting. I wonder why they wouldn't change the, the, the case. It's a very hoppy beer maybe they found it wasn't aging quite how they thought it would so maybe they changed to make it a fresh-only type beer. That'd be my guess. It is a very hoppy beer. Uh, let's see, last week uh, we we kind of had a little spiel. Gave about, you a little guilt trip about right. sudsgear.com. And, and we're going to do it again this week. <laughs> because that's that's our want. And um, someone actually bought an arrogant bastard uh, lady's tea for, we assume, their mother. So... Thank you. I didn't think that little uh, joke would work, but all of your mothers want arrogant bastard Every ladies' single teas. One of your mothers. So, so go out there and buy them. Make make your mother know you care about her with an arrogant bastard T-shirt. And the deal about the Suds Gear thing, in case you're new, is that we have an affiliate partnership with SudsGear.com. We get ten percent of any sales that we generate, and that is really the only income we make from the yeah. show right now. And it's little income, but you guys can make it bigger. And you also get ten percent off. Yeah, with a well. with a coupon code, which is CBR. Or if you go from the link on our site, you'll get 10% off the order as well. They have t-shirts, hats, glasses. We got a comment from one of our listeners saying that he wished they had Pilsner glasses right. and different kinds of glasses. So I sent it to Sudsgear, and they're working on it. Okay, so cool. So there should be new glasses up as soon as they can get them up. That's different great. styles of glasses. Right work. now it's only uh, pint glasses, but hopefully we'll have more glasses up soon. Uh, there are several ways you can contact us. You can either... Post a comment on our website, which is craftbeerradio.com. You can vote for us on Podcast Alley and leave us a comment. Yes, There's, please vote for us because we're still we're still trying to reach up. We're at 65 right now, so we're almost on the first page. And it's my birthday this month, and Craft Beer Radio is six months old. So go <laughs> give us a vote. Um, you don't have to leave a comment on Podcast Alley when you vote. I notice a lot of people leave you know kind of one word comments. Or something. Just you don't have to leave a comment. It's, we we appreciate you leaving a comment. It's great, but you don't have to. You can just put in your email address and it will send a vote verification to you. That's a good point, Greg. I mean, I enjoy reading the comments on there too. But if you don't feel like you're obligated to just say a great show, you can just vote if you'd like. Uh, call our comment line, which is two zero six two zero two beer. 
And you can send us an email or audio comment to our email address, which is beer at craftbeerradio.com. In other news, we got our business cards. Yeah, I got the business cards from uh, listener Mike. And I have about 2,800 of them, which is three boxes about this big. Yeah, well, it's this big. 12 is, inches. Okay. They're big boxes. <laughs> um, so I have some to send out. I mentioned last week that I'll send them out to people who want to help promote us. I got a response from one person. So I'll be sending some cards out to, oh, I forget his name. Well, you'll remember it soon enough. Dr. Mike, maybe? Dr. Mike. It's the chiropractor in Minnesota. I think that's where he lives. Well, that's <laughs> so, so I'll be sending some out to you. And um, and if anyone else wants me to send some cards out. I was uh, handing out cards at the Creek House the other night. And it's a little bit different. I was just, it was, they were new, so I was trying to get them out there. So I was right. just going out to people and saying, hey, I see you're drinking some good beer. Here's some cards. And they looked at me kind of like I was trying to sell them something. So I think a better approach for me is going yeah, to be yeah. talking about beer and saying, and oh, by the way. Be, but yes. I didn't have time to do that because I was going to my BJCB class. So I was kind of cold selling and, and I got some suspicious looks like, why does this guy want me to check this out? Yeah, so, yeah it does kind of have the, uh, the stink of an advertisement like, you know. Yeah, so I need some. to work on my delivery for handing out cards. Well, that, that'll be something for another show. On to email where we had a lot of emails this week, and to make up for the fact that we have very little news. <laughs> Our first email is from Jamie, who says he's graduating from school next month, and he's been trying to find uh, some sort of BJCP class because he wants to continue doing classes. I guess he's sort of addicted to that sort of thing. But he can't find a resource for finding a BJCP class in his area. And is there any suggestions that we have, or is he missing anything obvious? I'm not sure if he's missing anything obvious. Um, from what I know about BJCP classes, they don't happen all the time, all the places. Homebrew clubs typically put them on, from what I understand. I know that's how my, ours is. The last time our homebrew club ran one was like three or four years ago, so it doesn't happen all the time. So I would say the best thing to do would be to um, check out with your local homebrew club, see what they're doing, and perhaps, I think there's a forum on the BJCP website, maybe join up for that and uh, ask the question on there. I assume there's no correspondence course for the BJCP. No, probably not. I mean, you don't need to take the training class. I mean, there's plenty of reading material out there. Um, if, if Jamie's interested, I can kind of tell him the kind of material we've gone over. Right. But it really helps sitting with some other people yeah. when you're doing the tastings, bouncing ideas back and forth. So doing it at home it would be a lot more tedious than hanging out with some you know beer geeks and, and drinking some beer and going <laughs> over the beer stuff. So it's a lot more fun taking the class. I see. Our uh, good friend Coy wrote in, said he listened to the pre-show, and he was wondering what our thoughts were on the original line, Amber, which was to be retried, and then next thing he knew, we were talking about Xbox, Linux, PPPoE, that kind of stuff. So yeah, the uh, the pre- and post-shows are somewhat eclectic. Yeah, we had a couple people say that we don't spend enough time on beer in the pre- and post-show. I kind of agree, and I'm going to try to push Greg to, so we talk about it a little bit more. Greg seems to have a different opinion. I think the pre-show is sort of... It, it's. It's, it's it's separate from the show. This main show is, of course, all about beer. But the the pre and post show are kind of not necessarily all about beer. I think they should sort of stay that way. Well, yeah, not all about beer. But we've been getting to the point where, like, oh, good, we can talk about other stuff now. And people, they're getting to like us, but they really don't want to hear two guys from a beer show talk about computers every day, all day. Oh, we did. So. I think that was the one time we really went super geeky. Yeah. So I'm going to try to... St- keep it tied back in and i'm gonna drag great kicking and I'm screaming fight jeff about it and that'll be fun to listen to at any rate <laughs> exactly tom from connecticut wrote in he uh listened to the widely available show the show we did last week about the beers you might find at a non- craft beers you might find at a non-craft right. bar and he thought that the negro modelo and yingling are odd choices he said the yingling is everywhere in the mid-atlantic states but non-existent anywhere else I'm not going to go over this whole thing because he actually recanted a little bit, but I wanted to bring it up because it's kind of a good point. Some other people might be thinking this. That the, where's this yingling stuff? The, where's the yingling stuff? And why'd you pick yingling? Because it's not always seen as a craft beer. Right. At least it wasn't in Tom's point of view at the time. And I explained to him, here in Pittsburgh, it is right up there where you see Sam Adams on all yeah. the taps. And any place where Ying, anywhere in Pennsylvania and the surrounding states, it's that way. And it is a little odd for the people in the rest of the country. But, um, you know, we have to do a show with what, how, what our personal experiences are. And Yingling is one of those personal experiences. It's certainly everywhere around here. 
And uh, it, they sell more beer than Boston Beer Company. It's promoted as a craft beer. And even if we knew it was going to be the worst beer of the night, we thought it still had a good place on the show. And and once I explained that to Tom, he agreed. And he's excited for the winter solstice tasting, he says. Yes. Which is our last beer. Of the oh, he had one other thing here, and I have an answer for this. The uh, the Phantom Yeast and the Dogfish Head beers mm-hmm. and the other beers. I posted a question on the Beer Advocate Forums, and I got some interesting answers. Oh, actually, someone sent me an email, too. I forgot to write down his name. So I'm sorry. It's James right here, right? It's a couple down. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is James. Excellent. When we homebrew, we put a lot of yeast in those bottles right. to make sure they carbonate. When you're a professional brewer, you have a lot more control. You can put in the minimum amount of yeast required to carbonate the bottle. And you could even use a low-flock yeast and something doesn't settle out. So these bottle-conditioned beers that don't have sediment are accurate. They can be bottle-conditioned with just enough yeast to carbonate it. And they could be not enough yeast to settle to the bottom visibly. Or it could be a kind that doesn't flock out and it stays in suspension. Now, granted, the ones that stay in suspension are probably going to be a cloudier beer, but it, it's one of the, the possibilities. Is, so, is that the case? with? Yeah, that's why I, I... James wrote in, and I'll be honest, I wasn't going to be a true believer right away because of my personal experience right. with home brewing. So I asked on the forum, and several people agreed, and, and a bunch of people had the same question I had. Yeah. So that appears to be it. You can, when you have such controlled situations as you do in a good production brewery, you can use just enough yeast to carbonate the bottle, and it doesn't leave a bunch of sediment around. Brian wrote in, saying that he's uh, looking forward to our podcast on barley wines, which will be at some point in the next couple of weeks, after uh, either after December or right at the end of December. Uh, he suggests Hog Heaven by Avery Brewing and Old Ruffian by Great Divide, as well as Sisyphus by Real Ale Brewing Company. Yeah, we can get the Hog Heaven and the Old Ruffian here, I believe. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the Old Ruffian in person, but I mean, we get all the other Great Divide beers, so I'd expect to be able to find it. The old Sisyphus, I haven't seen any real ale brewing companies. And uh, Brian said that they're probably not too far out of Texas. Stacy from Pittsburgh emailed in to say that she wanted to agree with our assessment of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Not a fan of pale ales, but recently tried the beer on tap and was surprised. Did not remember it tasting that good from the bottle. We actually had it from the bottle, and it was surprising to us how good it was, too. Again, surprising in the sense of our preconceptions, not in the sense of whether it's a good brewery or not. Our preconceptions were that, oh, it's... They've gone corporate. Yeah, well, the bottle we had was a little bit oxidized, remember? So it wasn't great. I think you were, you felt it was more oxidized than I did. Okay. John sent us in a really cool article about the off-flavor compounds in beer, which we will have in our show notes. Did you either check out that article? I l- looked at it briefly. It's a good read. It's from uh, New Scientist magazine or something like that, so it goes into a lot of detail about the off-flavor compounds, and uh, it's, it's a pretty cool read, so yeah. check it out. Talking about the skunky stuff. and yeah, yeah, the skunk compounds and things like that. Larry from California wrote in. He was telling us a story about how they went up for the Stone 9th Anniversary Festival and they stopped in Pizza Port San Clemente on the way back for some food. Apparently at Pizza Port, one of their menu items is a stout float where they mm-hmm. put some ice cream in your stout. And uh, it goes on a little bit farther to say the one time they were there, this one buddy ordered a Stone Russian Imperial stout float. <laughs> and he was talking a little bit about how it was uh, a different experience and he was a little torn whether uh, it was the right thing to do or not we talked about that before you know adding fruit to your beer right, right. Um, stuff floats and ice cream and we kind of had our uh, opinions changed where well you did oh I did yeah okay <laughs> yeah I had okay I don't want to speak for great I had my the opinion royal changed the royal way yes <laughs> Didn't have, I had my opinion sort of changed where uh, you can try things. I mean, I have no problem with trying things like that on occasion. I might even try a Russian Imperial Stout float. But if that's the only way you want to drink the beer, then that's when I would start having an okay. issue with it. I, it. It's certainly an interesting concept. I, I, I'm one of these guys who doesn't like alcohol and ice cream together at all. Like sometimes people put a little brandy around ice cream or something like that. Oh, okay. oh I, can't, I can't take it at I've all. never had that. I have had a beer float once before. My dad made me a beer float. The, there's a beer called Sierra. It has nothing to do with Sierra Nevada. It's a, it's made by one of the big breweries. Uh-huh. I think it's a Miller. I think I think it's mm, one of their off brands. Lovely. And so it's uh, a nice, it was awful Pilsner, like yeah, equivalent. Yeah, it's very cheap. And um, you know what Coors makes it, but anyway, <laughs> it uh, it was not gross. So that's something. But so th- maybe that is the only way you want to have that beer. Could be. 
Derek from Pennsylvania has just caught up with some of our back episodes and has a few questions on uh, cellaring and temperature changes. He's wondering, he says, he said, he's wondering why a couple of temperature changes won't hurt a beer, but if they're repeated over and over again, the beer will eventually become oxidized. Uh, he's wondering whether oxidation requires oxygen if the bottle is sealed. Where does the oxygen come from? Well, I was uh, I tried to look this up, and I wasn't able to find any good solid information. What I did find was that beers oxidize faster at higher temperatures. A lot faster. A beer stored at 100 degrees will oxidize as much in four hours as a beer stored at 70 degrees does in six months. That's a really significant change there. Right. But I wasn't able to find any good information about why frequent heating and cooling cycles help oxidize beer more. Um, all I can say is that's what smart people have told me in the past. If uh, someone else knows exactly why, um, fill us in. So we're just parroting out information here. Yeah, pretty More much. Less. Well, I didn't invent any of this beer stuff. <laughs> on on pouring, he asks us a couple of questions also. He says, what's our take on proper beer pouring technique? He doesn't think that we've ever discussed it. And, and he is probably right. Yeah, I don't think I we think have. we have forgot to bring that up at all. You know, I'm I'm not one of, I'm not a believer, frankly. I, oh, okay. I I've seen the people saying proper beer technique you want to, you know, accentuate some of the foam to get more of the aroma out, but I don't think there's one way that better than others at doing that. I typically do pour beers the proper way when I'm pouring a here we pour half glasses. I still try to do it the same way, but typically you tilt your glass at a forty five degree angle. You pour your beer so the beer lands halfway down the glass on the side. And when the beer gets about half full, then you tilt the glass upright and you pour the beer into the center of the glass. And that's typically how you pour most beers. And you can find out more information. Um, just look on some of the your favorite beer sites. I know many of them have how to pour, uh, yeah, how to pour a beer, or just Google for it if you need more information. In my experience, because uh, I have actually tested this and you know trying it with the same beer, different pours, it doesn't significantly alter the flavor, no matter how you do it, or the aroma that comes out. That's just my experience, my personal experience. You need a beer that it. looks in, nice too, though. In unscientific uh, testing. But you want a beer that looks nice, too. Well, that leads right into our macro muck, doesn't it? Yeah, the looking nice does lead right into the <laughs> macro muck. So we'll cover the macro muck before the news. Um, High Falls Brewing has packaged two of their quote-unquote craft brands, uh, J.W. Dundee's Honey Brown Lager and American Pale Ale, in 16-ounce aluminum bottles, which they take care to mention, wrongly we might add, that they are the first craft specialty beer be offered in aluminum bottles. Right. As uh, you may know or may not, uh, Big Sky Brewing in Montana was the first person to do it, and they did it even before Pittsburgh Brewing mm -hmm. did it big time, and Budweiser followed in Pittsburgh Brewing's shoes. So that was incorrect. And I thought it was curious that they called themselves a craft or specialty beer brewery. Farther on down the article, you know, they say things you don't really expect from craft brewers. It looks great on the bar. I'm talking about the aluminum bottle. And we just kicked it off at our sales meeting Friday, and the staff loves the look of the packaging. Right. Well, I mean, a, a part of me says that's what marketers do all day. They're, they're looking at packaging. That's all they really care about, so it doesn't surprise me. I bet that these guys from – these sales guys probably don't even care what beer they drink at all. They're not really – Oh, I agree with that, that but sort of if they wouldn't have mentioned or inferred that they're a craft brewery yeah then this wouldn't have made macro buck but i just you, thought the hypocrisy do you consider there was, high falls up um this gets into the blue moon quandary again right um i prefer not to comment right now okay all right no comment maybe we'll have to try hunting brown at some point um on to news which we said we had a, a very short amount we have really two news Articles. One is that Hoogarden is closing. Now, be aware, this does not mean that you'll never be able to find Hoogarden beer, but the actual original brewery in Belgium is closing down. And apparently, from what I've read, Hoogarden, or Hoogarden, the, the, um, the wit beer that they make wasn't made at this brewery. Either they made other styles like the Hoogarden Grand Cru. Mm -hmm. InBev is, is the giant, the brewery giant that owns them, and they're basically shutting down the original Who Garden uh, brewer, brewery, which, like we said, no longer produces the Who Garden White, so you'll still be able to find that everywhere. But some of their other styles may go into 
hiatus, as TV people would say. The other piece of news we have is that uh, a local brewery here, Iron City Brewery, has just uh, just filed for bankruptcy. They owed, I think it was two years or three years worth of water bills, and they were going to get their water shut off, which means they obviously couldn't produce beer. Yep, it's uh, not much of a surprise. Um, the water bill thing's been going on for ages. The sewer th- authority wants to charge them for all the water that the water meter says they used, but they're a brewery. Most of their water goes out on trucks or up in the air, right. not down the drain. So they were fighting that and never really got it settled. Not sure why they couldn't get it settled. You figured it'd be a fairly logical thing. You wouldn't think that Elkosan would be that stubborn, but maybe they are. I don't uh, yeah, know. I don't. I don't understand. Uh, I know that um, it may spell some trouble for Vasellis, which is the local distributor. Vasini's. Vasini's. It may spell some trouble for Vasini's, which is the local beer distributor. Which yeah, that's their it's their number one beer that they distribute. And because they distribute so much Iron City, they're able to distribute a lot of craft beer. So it, it could be interesting to see what happens to Vicini's when, it, if Iron City closes their doors. So that's how it impacts Greg and I the most. Yeah. <laughs> and the show. Yeah, exactly. We might not be able to find as many beers around town. Uh, anyway, that was somewhat sad news, but we go on to something different, which is <laughs> the oft-forgotten what beer am I? Yeah, I'm sorry about last week. We uh, completely forgot. I got a couple emails. I'm like, I finally got it right, and you didn't read the answer on the air. The clues from last what beer am I was a Flanders Red, which was hopped with American hops, Amarillo hops, right. which was a pretty strange uh, combination. Pa- combination. And the answer is La Terror from New Belgium Brewing. We had several people write in with the right answer. Andrew, Sean, Scott, Ben, Russell, Corey, Andy, Matthew, and Tom. Sounds good. This week's clue, I got another good one. Okay. It's an oddball, some strange question. It might throw you for a loop, or you're going to, you know, some people will know this yeah. one right away. I am 11% alcohol by volume. You're a high alcohol beer. I am brewed with peat smoked barley, juniper berries, vanilla, and maple syrup. <laughs> wow. Let's go over that again. Peat smoked <clears throat> barley... Juniper berries, vanilla, and maple syrup. The kitchen sink in there, too? That comes next. Okay. I am fermented with a blend of English and Belgian yeasts. Well, okay, I guess so. So if you know what beer I am, write in at beer at Craft Beer Radio and let us know. We'll try to remember. And yeah. do it next week. <laughs> we'll try to remember to reveal it next week. Well, I guess we're going to start with our beers, and our first beer is going to be Old Fezziwig right after this. Old Fezziwig is Samuel Adams' winter warmer. Now, what exactly is a winter warmer? Like you say, it's a, not really a style so much as a designation. Yeah, I would say so. It's high alcohol. It's a multi-beer. Uh, might finish dry, might finish sweet. Hops are typically not the forefront of these beers. Some of them might be, but that's what we're going to get out of these beers generally. This is uh, 5.6% alcohol. Uh, hopped with titang... And Hullertau Middlefra hops. <laughs> that was not too bad. Middlefra. Middlefra. They're uh, uh, traditional German noble hops. Uh, pale malts, Munich 10, chocolate, and caramel 60 malts. Uh, by, of course, the Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Website, samadams.com. Annual production of 1.2 million barrels. And they're available pretty much everywhere, in the U.S. at least. And the first thing I'm noticing is, well, it's um, it almost smells lagerish. A little bit. I got a bunch of the the caramel malts mm-hmm. or aroma the first time I smelled it. A little bit chocolatey too. I mean, there's kind of a in terms of the aroma, yeah, you know, chocolate aroma there. Uh, but like I say, I mean, it's just some something just smells kind of lagery about it. It just has that light, noble smell. I know they're not. Well, noble hops it in could here. be the noble hops. Not, there aren't noble hops in here. Yeah, the Tetnang and the Howard Tower are both oh, noble hops. Oh, they're both noble hops? Okay. Yes. Well, there you go. That answers that question. The uh, It's a mahogany It's a mahogany color. Um, very clear. The head on it is billowy and a little bit tan. It almost tastes like it's a little bit spiced, doesn't it? Yeah, I think they mentioned spice in here because um, I believe bursting with spices this season. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's got a very full body uh, and it, it has... Um, like I said, the spices that really hit you right away. They're, they're, they're not like strong spices, but they're definitely there. Um, they kind of sort of tingle around on the tongue a little bit, too. 
um, malty that actually finishes pretty clean for a, for a excessively malty beer. Some of the spices they use cinnamon, ginger, and orange peel. You mm. definitely get the ginger. Mm-hmm. It is funny how the spices just kind of they, they they mention dance on the tongue. That's a good way to, to bring it out because you just kind of sort of jump around there. That it's really interesting and and. Uh, I'm able to smell some of the cinnamon and the aroma now, too. I can taste the cinnamon, too, especially near the back of the mouth. That's a different different beer. It's good, though. It's more spice than I would have thought it'd be, too. I thought it would be a more subtle spice mm-hmm. beer. Hopefully it's not too spicy to, to ruin our tongues for the next couple. <laughs> well, we have water here just in case. Um... Apparently, Old Fezziwig is Scrooge's first employer. That's where the name comes from. This strong brown ale was first brewed in 1995 and was a Seaver's own favorite until it was discontinued in 2000. However, demand was so strong that it was resumed as the Winter Classics Mixed 12-pack the following winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't get this. I wouldn't buy a case of this. But it's certainly something interesting to try. It's It's like a lot of these spiced Christmas beers. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine drinking a whole case of Great Lakes Christmas yeah. or Anchor Our Special Ale. But trying it, having this with um, some chocolates or something oh, mm, yeah, definitely. would be really good. Mm-hmm. A lot of these ones, you know, imagine them at a Christmas party or a holiday party with, um, you know, a whole bunch of the really rich holiday food. Yeah. Drinking this with it would be. Really, it would really go well with chocolates. Because, I mean, the, the cinnamon stuff and the ginger really come into play. I uh, don't really taste the orange peel that much, but I can sort of see how it would give a subtle citrusy note to it. Like we said, in the, I smelled the hops, and there was aroma there, but I didn't really taste much. Yeah, it, the, the hops are very low. This is mostly about malt, mm-hmm. about alcohol, and about the spices. I am tasting a little bit of the orange, and the orange peel, and it's kind of that pithy flavor that we were talking about way back in the summertime. Okay, a little bit, in the center of my tongue... It, Right when I taste it. Hmm. Yeah, you know what? Now that I think about it, if I, kind of, if, I, if I sort of, I don't know how you describe it, you can listen for a sound. How do you explore a taste? You can, I guess, listen for a taste on your tongue. Home in and forward. And, yeah, I mean, and, and I can I can detect that there. I can detect that sort of that pithy orangeness, right? And it's it's not a bad pithiness. It's, uh, it, it's light enough that it just sort of adds some distinction to it. Sam Adams does it again. Yep, it's slightly too spicy to be a, a, a good order again drinker. Yeah. That's for sure. It's it's a sipping beer. It's an enjoy it with some chocolates or some rich food beer for mm-hmm. sure. It's just not, it's not a it's drinker. It's a grab a bottle, don't grab a six pack. Yeah, it's not a drinker. It's definitely a sipper. I can see how they're releasing it in, in a mixed twelve pack is a good idea because you have a bunch of other beers and you get one or two of these and. Yep. Nice. Probably mixed in with their winter white and their winter mm-hmm. lager, mm-hmm. which I haven't had, so I'm not sure how good either of those are. Probably wouldn't be too excited about the winter lager, but I'm not going to say anything bad about any Sam Adams beers yeah. because... Well, I mean, you didn't think you're going to be excited with the Boston lager and it was the best of the night. In two weeks. I think it's two weeks. We're going to be having another Sam Adams holiday beer. They put out the holiday porter this year. Oh, okay. So I'm giving that a try. Well, that sounds good. What else? Anything interesting here? Um... No, nothing else really interesting here. He gives a gravity rating, but I mean, who cares? The thing I like about the gravity rating... Actually, no. <laughs> we'll get to that a little bit later. Gravity reading is 1.0196. Yeah. Wait, it's that can't be right. keeping score. No, no, that can't be right. Yeah, for a 5.6? Yeah, no, that can't be right. It has to... Maybe that... No, that's not... Like, so not only is the gravity rating boring and useless, but it's also wrong. <laughs> it's incorrect. Either I transposed it wrong, or it was on the website wrong. I think I copied and pasted it, so... Mm. Maybe it was the final gravity. That's possible. Our next beer is from Samuel Smith in Tadcaster, UK. It is their Winter Welcome. Winter Skunkum. Yeah, it's a beer that, frankly, we're worried about because, like all Samuel Smiths, it comes in a clear bottle. And you know what happens with clear bottles. Light hits them, makes skunk Now, redeeming value for this, it should not be very hoppy. There should not be a lot of the alpha acids in okay, here and the okay, isoalphas. So there might not be much to skunk. But, I mean, I've had the brown ale and it was pretty skunked, and that's not a hoppy beer. So we'll see. I mean, it is a, a clear bottle and that's skunked. Do we even want to pour it? 
<laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. That is skunked. I'm going to pour a, couple, a little sip here yeah, for us. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a sip, but I don't think we need to go any more than that. We'll Maybe we'll find a, a place where it's not skunked or on tap. We'll do another on tap with this so we can judge it fairly. But for right now... I detect a hints of malt with other hints of skunk. It is a nice uh, orange, dark, orange to copper color, very clear again, on white head. Very pillowy head, or billowy. Billowy, pillowy? And it tastes like ass. <laughs> we, it's not even worth describing. You don't no. get any of the malt, you just get skunk, skunk, skunk mm-hmm. out of this flavor, so... We're gonna go uh, rinse out our glasses. Yeah, let's pour this out. Sorry, the, Sam the next Smith. Beer. I gotta wonder why brewers continue to put why Samuel Smith in, in in particular continues to put beer in a clear bottle. Marketing tradition. Ugh. It's so bad because you know it generally they they get good reviews for their beer and the stuff we want to try, but it always comes to us skunked. Yeah, there's a couple places you can find it on tap around town. We'll have to keep an eye. I wouldn't expect really to find the Winter Welcome on tap, but. We'll give it a try. Who knows? Next uh, is Winter Hook from Red Hook. This is their winter warmer. Again, it's uh, 6.11% alcohol. Now, normally we don't talk about packaging very much. Uh-huh. Well, this is kind of interesting. Look, I have the split label. That's interesting, isn't it? And they have little little floral things in the floral There's an embossing. Yeah. The label split right down the center. So it's about an inch above and an inch below. And in the center, there's this little embossing of... Um, yeah, a little leafy thing, maybe doesn't really look like a hop comb, but it's Rosemary. some kind of <laughs> and uh so above it has uh the winter storm blow you know, the storm god guy blowing the air in, red hook blows his winter hook. It's a caught my eye with yeah. the packaging. And uh this is fortunately the brown bottle. That's <laughs> uh brewed with Northern Brewer and Cascade Hops. Um, yes, yes, there's Cascade Hops for sure. <laughs> okay, Jeff is smelling it as he's pouring it. What else is here? Red Hook Brewery is www.redhook.com. The brewer is located in Woodenvale, Washington. The brewery started in 1994 with an annual production of 250,000 barrels. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Cascade Hops, all right. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's very hoppy. I said earlier, winter warmers aren't hoppy. Well, I'll leave it to those guys in Washington to, <laughs> to make me wrong. Maybe here by the Sun Pacific Brew News, there is um, a it's a dark tan sort of iced tea uh, look about it, but very clear uh, with a small, not quite billowy head, sort of a small. Yeah, this one has just a, a yeah fading head. Barely, I tried pouring them with a robust head and just didn't want to take. Hoppy, with uh, a considerable malt backbone. Uh, yeah, I'm but trying it, to think. It ends with, with a lot of bitterness. Yeah, it tastes almost like an American brown, wouldn't you say? I, I would say so. Speaking of American browns, forgot to mention this in the business. I mentioned last week we were talking oh, about right, doing yeah. the, um, the, we're calling it the Craft Beer Radio Multi-Brew Experiment. Where we're going to get some brew- spectacular. Now this one's an experiment okay, because yeah, it's yeah. the very first one. <laughs> we're going to get some brewers together. Some people that are interested have already emailed me, and we're going to uh, settle upon a recipe. But it's an American brown ale that we're going to brew. The goal is for everyone to use the same ingredients and just have the variables be their brewing technique and things like that. Right. Then we're all going to swap beers and we're going to taste them to see how the same beer tastes made by different people. So if anyone else is interested, send us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And we'll register you for the experiment. You can take a look at the whole uh, recipe and everything on craftbeerradio.com. Yeah, I just posted it today, and Friday. we will be doing a extra show detailing our brewing process. Yeah, Greg and I will be brewing on the air. Well, we'll be brewing live to tape. And then we'll be putting that on in the, the edited packets extra. In the ether of the internet. Right. <laughs> so we can, you can call it on the air if you want to. So, if you were chasing us blind, you wouldn't say winter warmer. No, it wouldn't be the first thing that came to my mind. I would guess American brown. Yeah, because, like I said, maltiness with some hoppiness there, and bitterness coming at the end, a lot more bitterness than any of these other beers. 
um, or at least the ones we've tasted so far, which are only two. I love this. For the gravity they have listed here, 1.05335. It's a very accurate very gravity rating. Very accurate. It's a good, enjoyable beer. It's not really outstanding in any way, though. No, it's it's not not hitting me with you know anything exceptional, anything really interesting like the old Fezziwig's kind of dancing spices. Uh, it is certainly a lot hoppier than I expected. Certainly, yeah, for winter warmer, mm-hmm. and and more bitter because of its hoppiness. They say twenty seven point six IBUs. Tastes a bit more. Bitter than that. Yeah, it does. Unless the hop flavor is confusing it, that could be it too. And, and, and the maltiness, like I say, I mean, it's there, but the hops really do kind of overshadow them. As much as the hops are carrying the maltiness, or the, the malt is carrying the hops around, the hops just are such a more strangulating presence on top of the malt that you, it, it really can distinguish the, the hops a lot more than, than the types of malt that are in there. A pretty good brown ale. Good example of a, of a nice brown ale that maybe they should think about uh, putting out as a not-so-winter seasonal. Even for a brown ale, I'd like to see it a little more malty. Yeah. It is pretty hoppy, and there's a lot of bitterness and tart flavor to it. And, uh, yeah, I think it just needs a little more malt, even as it is or as a brown ale. Mm, could be. Moving on to one of our favorite breweries. And uh, this is one of my favorite beers, at least it was last year. I have not had this beer in two years. I had the opportunity of having it on Wednesday night, and I passed it up because I wanted tonight to okay, be okay. to be a fresh. Because I, I know I loved that beer the first time I had it. Mm-hmm. I tried to get a case last year, and it was sold out before when I called the distributor. Completely sold out of town. And uh, so now I'm getting to try the... Let's cut the mystery. This is Anderson Valley's Winter Solstice. I honestly don't remember what this tastes like. It's been so long. I just remember it tasting awesome. <laughs> I remember I remember having... Uh, oh, it was right before I was super into craft beer, and um, and I just... I had two of them, because I was at the bar, and I was trying to find something, and the guy was like, try this one. And I tried it, and I had another one, because it was so good. There you go, sir. Mmm, that's an interesting smell. It almost smells... There's hoppiness, but it almost smells like a, a strong cinnamon. My first aroma was a lot of the caramel malt. I got yeah. a whole bunch of that. I wasn't able to smell anything else. I'm still just getting caramel in the aroma. The I, color, it's a reddish uh, ruby color. Yeah. Very clear. The head on it is a light tan. Good, good soft head on it. Ooh. Mm. Oh, that is good. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? It tastes a lot more like summer solstice than I thought it would. It's not quite as creamy, but it has a lot of that cream flavor to it. Yeah, the, the, there, there's that. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what that flavor is. I, I kind of misinterpreted it as cinnamon. It's not quite the same thing. It, it, it's, like I mean, it, flavor-wise, it's a vanilla flavor. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you get a lot. Of, you get a fair amount of the caramel um, malt out of there too. I see. I thought when I had the the summer solstice over the crema cerveza over the summer. I'm like, well, this is good, but that's not what I thought I remembered the winter being like at all. But it, it's a fairly similar beer. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's sort of a candiness to it. Really, um, there's some warming factor to it from the alcohol. 6.9%. can really taste the, the maltiness, but you also taste a, a spiciness and this sort of vanilla sweetness that comes through. Really, really excellent. They're... Um, Annual production of 20,000 barrels there at avbc.com. Available pretty widely, but not everywhere. They started in 1987. I guess I'll go over the list of distribution area They because some people have said they like this. California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho. Idaho? Yes. Yes, uh, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And if uh, you're not in one of those states, you're a very, very unlucky person. <laughs> if you are in one of those states, get one of these as soon as possible because they go pretty quickly. 
Okay, this, now I'm finally getting past the vanilla, and I'm getting a little bit of the other spices. I'm getting a little bit of a cinnamon or a nutmeg or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so good. This <laughs> is really exceptional. Something like this really is... Allow me to pontificate here for a second. This is why you drink beer. This is why you're into craft beer, because something like this comes around. It really gives you a lot of, you know, it's something different, something totally different and blows you away. This is why you always try the new beer that you haven't mm-hmm. had before, yeah. trying to find a beer like this. Mm, that's good. <laughs> it's, it just You want to just keep drinking and drinking, because it's just so delicious. And, and uh, This is a beer that would go really good with more sweet and rich food, mm-hmm. more candy, more chocolate. Yeah, I wouldn't go with this with a turkey dinner. No, not really. Actually, I had the summer solstice with turkey. I mentioned this in last show. And it didn't really go that well. It uh, wasn't really the plan to have it with dinner. It just happened that way. It's almost velvety, the texture. I seem to think this one would go better with white chocolate. Whereas the... um, The Sam Adams would go better with black chocolate, dark chocolate. I could see that. I mean, it certainly has that sort of cocoa butter... Mm-hmm. Kind of um, with the vanilla, I think that that kind of adds to it. Yeah, It'd go really well with ice cream. Yes, yes, it would. <laughs> float Let's with put it. a float. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost con, Greg. I know. We'll have to see if we can get some more. I've been looking for it. It's hard to find. I'm gonna I'll call the distributor tomorrow. See what I can find. Oh, actually, I won't be able to call. I'll have Heather call the distributor tomorrow. Mm. That's good. That's really tasty. I'll miss you, little buddy. Hooray for Anderson Valley. On to our last beer of the night. Which was promoted because of uh, Skunky McSkunkenstein. <laughs> the Samuel Smith. Uh, this is the Great Lakes Christmas Ale from Great Lakes Brewing Company in Cleveland, Ohio. This was the beer that we were going to do in the post show. Right. Uh, we, we're going to do the post show because um, not because we don't like Great Lakes, we love Great Lakes, but because it's not really widely available. It's a winter warmer, like all these are. Uh, available. Have you had this beer before, Greg? December. I may have. I may have had it last year. They spice the hell out of it. Uh, really? Let me say that before you take your first whiff. Okay. Uh, alcohol seven point five percent. Bitterness of forty IBU. So this should be more bitter. Well, the IBUs say it should be more bitter in the winter hook. We'll see. They certainly did spice the hell out of it, didn't they? <laughs> wow. It smells like a Christmas tree or potpourri or what kind of spices are those? Can you tell? Uh, Some nutmeg, maybe? Nutmeg is there. Uh, clearly cinnamon. Um, hmm. I have to taste it to really see if I can pick anything okay. else. Okay. Uh, it's another one of these tan. It's kind of an orange color, right? Orange beers, nice pillowy head, spicy, very mm-hmm. spicy, very spicy. Um, it really, you know, some interesting spices there. Slightly bitter on the end. Yeah, it finishes dry. Yeah, there's so many spices blended together. I'm I. I'm hoping you can pick out what they are because I'm just going to say it's just a it's a bag of potpourri. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that cardamom there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not big up on on the whole Christmas spices. Uh, okay, I'm more of a you know cooking spices kind of guy, so I can detect those. This is more in sort of the the sweeter, not the more savory spices. What are I guess the ones you would typically put into a beer, right? Now, this beer might go good with some Christmas dinner, though, or some holiday dinner. I'm thinking, like, um, duck. This would go really well with, like, a fresh bread. Bread? Okay. I, I just keep, keep picturing this. A I'm drinking duck. this. I picture, like, duck. I think this that would go would rather go well with well. duck. Yeah. Well, anything goes well with duck. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> I don't know. The gaminess just seems to... Yeah. I mean, this is so spiced and so sweet. I just think it'll tame that gaminess and really <laughs> blend together. You said gaminess. I forgot to mention that when we were in Japan... One of the things I had was a whale. Okay. Which is 
Um, it's actually very tasty when it's fresh, uh, as like whale sashimi. When we cooked it, it was so gamey, it was disgusting. Okay. <laughs> One of those things. And uh, I'm sorry to offend anybody who may be into like, you know, save the whales or something, but it's Japan, they have a different culture there, and I figured I would what, try it out. What kind of whale was it, do you know? I, I don't know. I didn't really ask. I didn't really okay. get that far. It was whale. Um, this killer whale. <laughs> it was Shamu. You ate Shamu. I ate Shamu, and uh, like I say, when it was fresh, right off the whale, it was good. Fresh as in raw sushi? Yes, yeah, sashimi. Okay, yeah. so when you cooked it, it, it got Oh, tough. it was gross. Really okay. gross. Gotcha. So if you're going to eat whale, make sure it's fresh. I'd try whale. Would you try horse? I would try horse. Now, there's a whole social, ew, yeah. horse, you know, but if it wasn't for that, yeah, I'd try horse. If it wasn't for the social thing, yeah, I'd try dog or cat, too. I mean, yeah. but, you know, with the social norms, I don't want everyone thinking I'm a weirdo, so I'll probably say <laughs> no, so. I didn't mean to get off track. It's probably something more meant for the uh, post-show, and I'll continue talking about the interesting foods I had there, maybe, uh, in the post-show. Um, yeah, very spicy it, it's hard beer to describe. It, it's a mouthful of spice. That's why I was trying to talk about the food that goes with it. I was trying to just so yeah. we have something to talk about because we're not going to be able to describe what we're tasting in this beer other than the ginger, the cinnamon, and the the bag of potpourri floating right, in the bottom right. of the beer. I mean, the spice kind of you know lays there on your tongue. Uh, it doesn't dance like the old fancy wing. Did. Yeah, that, you're right. That's uh, this one's a lot stronger. It, it's bordering on overpowering. I yeah. would say that's why. I think some food would temper this beer. Mm-hmm. This is certainly not a beer you would drink two of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All by itself. Now, if you're drinking with the right kind of food, they would, where you, the spices in this beer would spice the food and thus temper this beer, I think it would be a very good combination. I think so, too. I think this does, I think this is one of those that requires a little mild, milding influence. And, right. you know, the food would, would really provide that. And also... Because of how strong it is, it might stand up better to some more robust foods, like you say, duck, maybe. Um, hmm, I wonder if sausage would go well with this. Like a Christmas sausage? I'm not sure. That's, that's kind of like a sweet... Do people eat Christmas sausages? I don't know. Okay, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> this Christmas thing that you talk about. <laughs> this, this Christmas holiday you speak of. This would go well with latkes. Latkes are um, uh, basically potato pancakes. Okay. Traditional, the uh, the name was familiar, yeah, but I don't remember exactly what they were. Yes, because latkes generally can, can be a little bland. Okay. Um, you know, they're, they're filling. But this would kind of give it some extra spice. I mean, I've seen people put applesauce on them. Okay. So, But you know, that's sweetness to go with that. So this sort of sweetness would go with it pretty okay. well, I think. Yeah, for some reason, with this beer in particular, like the, the old Fezziwag, I could see going with, you know, pastries or chocolates. Mm-hmm. Or this beer seems to scream some kind of meat for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Well, Jeff, that ends our first of several winter shows. First of many, many wonderful shows. Mm. I had a very good time with these beers. It's going to be a fun month. Yeah. Let's rank them. Okay. I think, uh, do you want to go first? Should I go the, first? The uh, Samuel Smiths is number one. <laughs> We're going to judge the Lancaster, too? Uh, the Lancaster, what we did in the, in, in the yeah, pre-show. Yeah, let's do that. We did the, in the pre-show, we did the Lancaster Winter Warmer Ale, which is uh, from Lancaster, I'm Pennsylvania. I'm almost forgetting the, the Lancaster, so I don't know how I'd rank it. Uh, I, I mean, obviously... The you number- can abstain from voting on that okay. beer if you'd like. Obviously, the number one, like head and shoulders above, is, is the Winter Solstice from Anderson Valley. This is just... Like we said, this is why we drink beer. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Anderson Valley, Winter Souls, number one. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with the Fezziwig. Uh, I really liked it. I enjoyed the kind of jumping around spices on it. I I, uh, I sort of liked, this, liked the way it was done. Good job, Sam Adams. Ah, uh, see. I'm going to put the Winter Warmer. Hmm. I may have to go, well, this is where it gets kind of tough. Um, you know what? I'm going to put the Lancaster next. I think the Lancaster did a good job of what it was trying to do. And like I said, this is one of the things that I can have a couple of. So I'll put the Lancaster And don't here. forget, it's a 9% alcohol beer yeah. that yeah. you <laughs> can taste the alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, 
Mm. <laughs> See, the, See. Win- the winter hook was good, but it wasn't quite the style. The Great Lakes was just, you know, overly spiced. Uh, so it's kind of an either or. I'm going to go with, in terms of what I would just drink at the bar, I'm going to go with the winter hook and then put the Great Lakes last. So the order that I have is Winter Solstice, Sam Adams, Lancaster Winter Warmer, Red Hook Winter Hook, and finally Great Lakes Christmas Ale. Jeff? I nearly agree with you. I will put the Great Lakes in front of the Winter Hook. Okay. It's crazy spiced, but I just, the Winter Hook just wasn't a Christmas beer for me. Mm. And, well, doing winter seasonal beers, Christmas beers, and yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just switch to Great Lakes and to in front of the Winter Hook. Okay. All right, so that is... Very, overall, a very, very pleasing show. We wish that we could have judged Samuel Smith on his own merits. We cannot. So we're just going to judge it on the fact that it's skunky because it's in a clear bottle, which is their own marketing mistake. Exactly. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Next week, we'll be back with the second week of Winter Seasonals. Some of the beers we'll be trying are Ebenezer Ale from Bridgeport Brewing, our special ale from Anchor Brewing Company, there's one that's typically spiced out the wazoo uh-huh, as well. Uh-huh. Jubal Ale from Deschutes. Full Sail Wassail. Matt Ale from Trogues Brewing Company here in yeah. Pennsylvania. And St. Nicholas Buck Beer. Pennsylvania Brewing Company. Sounds good to me. So we will see you all next week or just in a few seconds here in the after show. See ya. Bye. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Yeah, 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 yeah.